Good morning and welcome to the Preventing Grace podcast. It's January 16th and I guess it's a national holiday. Is today a holiday? Or was Friday? It's Martin Luther King Day. Oh, okay. Well, I did see those, um, that all over Twitter, the unveiling of that statue item that seemed to me to be something that wanted to indicate a deep hatred for <laughs> Martin Luther King. It was awful. So I'm sure that that's not what they intended, but it did seem sort of like, uh, it was do weird. you not like this person? <laughs> did you? Why would you not include their faces and their bodies? Okay, so I just want to say, I've complained about this before. I, I have not liked how <coughs> in the last five years people have referred to, like, use the term black bodies. I, I really I really don't like the <coughs> that kind of I mean p- human people are, are fractured enough the body mind and spirit have never been well integrated since you know the fall you don't need to make it worse by just referring to one part they, of the why, person why do they do that I wonder because they want to say that bodies matter which I would don't totally agree with like your body really does matter but so does your soul and your mind and your face. Like, I think you should. Your whole body matters. Your whole body, not just your arms. And your soul, yeah, yeah. So it's this fracturing that it just makes it worse. And I've noticed some. I've noticed they creep into some Christian circles that you know people say they use the the word body in kind of a weird way that makes it seem like they're. It's well, supposed it's kind of like to stand in for the whole person, but it, then yeah. it doesn't. Yeah. It's kind of like spaces and voices. Like Your voice matters. And centering and all of that. I mean, it's, all, yeah. it's, all, it's all from the left, so I wonder, where, I wonder where, who came up with the idea of using that word body for, for what reason. Yeah, I don't know. It's strange. I don't like it, though, and I think you've seen, we've seen <clears> the logical <throat> outcome of, do, of using saying it that way. It'd be better just to say person. <laughs> Martin Luther King was a person and so is his wife and in if you look at the photo of them it's their faces that are really interesting their arms are interesting too of course but it would have been much more interesting if you'd included the whole yeah the whole whole body the whole body (laughs) so i don't want to be canceled or anything and we shouldn't pile onto the poor artist his hardest to do it it immediately reminded me of that poor person who did the the statue of lucille ball here in new york where it she yeah. clearly looked demon possessed yeah. <laughs> and they i don't know what they were trying to accomplish but it was a that was a bad statue it was that was like the person who fixed the jesus fresco or whatever was she made. still alive when that was made no no i think it, it was she died a while ago right i don't remember she died and the, the statue is more recent but <laughs> it's possible in other words to have bad art even if you are trying to make good art sometimes you just go wrong it's like having a cake wreck <laughs> you you start out with the best of intentions and, and, and a then, wonderful picture and then and then you're like oh no <laughs> why did <laughs> what happened <laughs> I think I feel like all of our birthday cakes are like that. Yeah, I mean, we only make cake racks. I mean, they, they all taste good, but we can't make the, them look the, nice. The look of them. So, great. 
Well, we have something to talk about today, <clears throat> and I'm sure we're not going to talk about it very long because everybody knows what we think about it anyway. But we <laughs> we are watching the season three of The Chosen, and I've seen articles. I saw you sent me something from the Gospel Coalition about how if I didn't read it very carefully, but if you're if your senses are moved by this Jesus on the chosen, then you should be really careful of that because you should always have your mind in control of something of your, your, the word, it should be driven by the word on the page, your perception of Jesus. And I basically agree with that. Like, I do think that your vision of Jesus should be escaped by shaped by the scripture for sure. But this author like used terms like being tempted, like she felt herself being tempted or being felt herself being to love Jesus more. The chosen, the, the Jesus. chosen Jesus more, right? Yeah. And I, the whole thing we talked about this. Um, no, we didn't talk about this publicly. We don't talk about this. We didn't. We didn't have a microphone in front of our faces when we were talking about this. So we were talking about something without <laughs> a podcast to help. Yeah. Us. With, uh, but there's the letter that that a little girl wrote to C.S. Lewis about Aslan because she was reading reading the Narnia series and she started to love Narnia, the Narnia Aslan more than the Bible Jesus. And C.S. Lewis just said, "Well, no, I, I've done my best to write." write these chronicles in a way that as in reflects the things that you you love about jesus so now i'm not saying the chosen i'm not saying that dallas jenkins is, is c.s lewis and i'm not saying the chosen is the, are the chronicles of narnia but there is an idea that that, that chosen jesus is literally aslan that's <laughs> what's happening right now it's literally he's literally aslan and dallas jenkins <laughs> is literally c.s lewis <laughs> That's, I, I disagree. That's I don't, how it's going. So there, we there are some there are definitely some flaws in the in their things, but I think a lot of the criticism I've seen of it is, well, the Bible is sufficient. Well, no, nobody doesn't. Nobody who likes the chosen, or hopefully, I, mean, I wouldn't say nobody. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there's some people who some those who who love the Bible and think of it as inerrant, who know it's inerrant and and and, and it's and fully, fully sufficient, and uh, the people who take on the Tota scripture position can still watch the chosen and know and make a distinction between the chosen Jesus and the Jesus of the Bible and and recognize that the Jesus of the Bible is the real Jesus and and that where the chosen Jesus goes off from the, the Bible Jesus that it's just either creative imagination or um, maybe he's getting something wrong or just a literary license well I, mean, I think we should take into account that like there is a sudden, like a sudden catastrophe of people not being able to do things that heretofore they have been able to do. Like there's a an unraveling of the sacramental tapestry has been so deeply unraveled and is like so suddenly right destroyed that I do think a lot of people Christians are super confused about some very basic things. And so I can see why some anxiety about uh, the chosen Jesus, I, I don't think that's misplaced to be like, wait a minute, because things are bad yeah. right now in the church. And you don't know what. And you don't know, like a lot of people put out a lot of content. Right. And as we are, as we all know, we are content providers. <laughs> so Dallas Jenkins is a content provider. I don't think should be trusted on his face. He's just like everybody else, but. For me, speaking personally, the 
I, I've circled through this over the last two years a lot that it's, there's a, an aesthetic test. You have to have your theology, your doctrine, but people forget this is how false teaching creeps in. It's when you don't have, you haven't aligned your senses and your aesthetic preferences with those of scripture. You've allowed your aesthetics, your moral aesthetics and theological aesthetics to be shaped by the culture and what you want to be true. And so when somebody says something, I mean, that's how wokeism has come in through the, the, the feelings, yeah, the, the sense perceptions. So, but if you, it's, it's ugly, it's, is ugly and it's but a lot of people think right. that it's beautiful. Like it's fixing a lot of things. No, I mean, I think actual Christians think this is so great. This feels right. And that's because they've had their, there's their whole sense sensibilities have been shaped by something other than scripture. Well, I think a lot like the Paul kind of talks about something like this with the, the aroma of death versus the aroma of life. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're kind of, what's he talking about? Does Paul smell like flowers or something? Yeah, yeah, he must smell no. amazing. <laughs> no, but there's but there's a sense like you, right? Okay, you should if you're a Christian should have you kind of see it like when you have the Christian radar, like you you're going to the yeah. store and you talk to somebody and oh wait, this person's probably a Christian. Yeah, um, and you don't know the person from Adam, but, you, but you there's, can a, there's a resonance tell. there of your so of a person. I so, have like I have I have a really low tolerance or i don't know is it a low or high tolerance i really 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 hate it when people misuse the bible witness i can't stand andy stanley (laughs) um but a lot of the big famous mega preachers today they routinely say bad wrong things about the bible and it's slipped in and i feel horrible and angry when i hear that Right, it's a it's a aesthetic, it's like a visceral sen- sensibility kind of thing for right. me. Um, so, so I ex- sitting up there and saying, "Well, the Bible, yeah, you know, I was I was raised to think the Bible was always true and inerrant, and mm-hmm. and well, I, I, yeah. the only thing that's true is the resurrection." And I'm here for you, though. I'm going to help right. you. <laughs> I'm going to help you. Right, right. So I began to watch the Chosen on the like with the intention, the usual intention that I have to really hate it. In fact, it started because you didn't want to watch it. I, 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 you I, thought, I, you made I made, well, I didn't want to watch it either, but I thought, okay, I know people in my church are going to watch this, so I should watch it. And it, this is the first season. And I think it was always, it had been, it had been completed by the time I started watching. So we binged that first, season. I binged that first season by myself in a dark corner. And then you made me watch it. And I was like screaming at you. I was like, I'm not going to watch it. You can't make me. <laughs> and then I watched it on my phone, right? I think yeah, I yeah, I think so. And I was, I was deeply upset because I, I knew that it was going to be really bad. Okay, it. So I've now like lyricized. I'm uh, practically sainted Dallas Jenkins on the internet a couple of times. But I think what it is, what I really, really appreciate about what he's doing, and I, I agree. There are places he's gone wrong. There's been things I've disagreed with in his inter- interpretation here and there. But what I really am grateful for, I'm actually like pathetically grateful is that he clearly loves Jesus and his show about the Bible clearly loves the Bible. 
And clearly his intention is for people to read the Bible. Like he is trying to put the text together. He's trying to harmonize and provide coherence for what scripture says about Jesus. And there Which is you coherent, can, but you're not saying you're not saying the scripture is incoherent. You're just no, saying I'm saying there is coherence in the scripture, but people who are in themselves incoherent and fractured and sinful have a hard time. Especially, there's nothing in our culture, and increasingly in our churches, that gives you the tools you need to un, to be able to understand what the Bible is saying in its holistic sense. Which Andy Stanley says the Bible can't be understood holistically. It doesn't have one message. Well, that's False. It does have one message. It is understandable. You can get a picture of Jesus from the scripture by reading it. But our, like, Western Christians are being disequipped on purpose by Satan, I guess, to be able to understand the text. And I would and, say, if you don't have an understanding of the text, you probably shouldn't let Chosen be your only. You no, but if you really love the Chosen, if you're watching it and think, I really love this Jesus. So there's a book. That there's about. a book that you could go to. <laughs> and I would say you should let your sensibilities be shaped. Dallas Jenkins, Jesus doesn't hate Jesus. You know, he is, he is not undermining the text with his imagination. This is what, this is, I think you made this point in your second article about it, which is a really good one. And, and you posted uh, the video of Alistair Begg, with the, the, the famous clip that's going all over the world, the the, the man in the cross, the man in the middle, man in the middle cross that said I, could, I come. could come. Yeah, and, and you know that's a that's a good five minute clip of Alistair Begg going off the text and just kind of describing the concept of the sufficiency of Christ for salvation in, a, in, in an a, imaginative a, way. In an imaginative way, telling a story that, that isn't in the Bible, but it's based it's based, using the Bible characters and. Um, it's an illustration. It just illustrates the, the point going on. And so I think that's a, that's a large part what Dallas Jenkins is trying to do. He's trying to illustrate the text, as you might in a sermon, with the with the preceding, very clear understanding, this is not in the Bible. He said that. He said that. Mm -hmm. Go back and listen to like the first the first season. And he had, he had long introductions saying, this is not the Bible. The Bible. Go read the Bible. Mm -hmm. This is my interpretation of certain things. This is my creative license on certain things. But I'm not in any way suggesting this is parallel to or um, or above or any way in any way similar to uh, to the Bible so he's very clear about that and he, he's kind of like what you wrote in your in your um, I mean I do this a lot in, in my your, devotional in your devotional you say this is a great devotional but you should really read the Bible yeah so this stop, is to help put this you up and go read the Bible <laughs> read it if you are having trouble and the thing about what I you know the original um, book had the word sarcastic in it, which I think sh should have still been there. But then people were like, "Well, how can you be sarcastic?" It's the same thing. How can you be funny? How can the how can a show about Jesus be funny at all? Well, because in the text, if you if you go deep into the text and think about the ramifications, the implications of what's being said, there's, there's a lot parts. of um, ways that you can be sarcastic about yourself. There's a lot of ways that you can laugh. Like you're invited. The text invites you to laugh at the human condition in many respects. And then turn it like it takes a sharp, abrupt, painful turn frequently, which I, I think he's, that's the sort of pacing that 
mm-hmm. Dallas Jenkins has done is in illustrating the text, he, he sort of balances between humor and sorrow. Um, and he, it feels to me like he has a, a very light touch about the whole thing, like in a good, in a proper way. Uh, right. So in other words, it passes the smell test right? Right. for me. And I'm willing to forgive him. I, I've been willing to forgive him for his errors in a way that I have not been willing to forgive well, another criti- other Chris, people. Chris, I've seen is it's interesting is that, well, why are these first century people using 21st century colloquialisms? And, and, you know, why, why does, why do the characters seem like just right out of Americana? Um, and I think that's purposeful. Yeah. I mean, he's not, he's not trying, he's, he's, and it's not like purposeful in the sense that, Hey, let's make it all relevant to Americans. It's, it's well, okay. It is sort of like that, but it's, it's a, it's, um, it's so plain that that's what he's doing. It's not like deceptive. He's not trying to deceive people into what, into thinking, Oh wow. First century people were just like us. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's not doing that. He's, he's just, He's bringing American church people into the first century to critique them and yeah, to critique them. Right, that's what I right, like. It's right. not, it's not to valorize twenty first century American Christians at all. Right, it doesn't do that. It it, it really um, shows them as, and it's I like it's Weak, very Adrian. Sinful, it's very Adrian right, right, Plass. Yeah. It's very, you know, these people are not worthy of your total contempt. But not because they're good. Like it's yeah. because they're bad, and they are <laughs> sinners like you. Um, you, all people have sinned, and these people are sinning in a peculiar, right? <laughs> or they have cultural habits, but everyone does. That's why I don't think it's translatable. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to take the chosen to Africa, right, right. and play it. Although I think they are trying to translate it into okay. other languages that I don't. It's really a particularly American, yeah. Show. Um, and then, you know, other people, of course, there's people who will never be able to watch it because they, like, very strict, uh, very strict reform people who, who think that any image of of the of the Lord is a sin. Like, you can't have, like, there's one Twitter, I'm sorry, Facebook group that if you post anything that has, a, like, an icon of Jesus, a picture of Jesus, anything on, like, at all, that you're... Um, you're banned in the group immediately. So huge, huge following, but it's like, it's super, I, I had no idea. Did you get banned? No, I almost did, but I, I, was, I just posted an article. I wanted to post an article that had a picture of Jesus on the, on it, like an icon of Jesus. And I, I but then th- that day I saw someone Same. getting banned for, <laughs> for so something like So I, I said, I said, leave the group. It's just ridiculous. And the, um, so those kinds of people, they're not going to watch Chosen because the Chosen yeah. for them is a violation of graven images. Um, and, but, but I think Anglicans can watch it, and I think yeah. <laughs> Anglicans didn't do a lot of things that other people right, can't right, do. Right, 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 right. And Presbyterians can probably watch it if they're not too too strict. Yeah, Baptists. I do. I incidentally feel like I I don't remember exactly, but whenever the Passion of the Christ came out, I don't remember a lot of people being like, "No, they weren't." This is really dangerous. Don't be tempted to love Jesus by watching this movie, and. Some did, I remember, okay. but not a lot. It was not, it was, it was well, very Well, so, few. but one thing, it was a one-time deal, like the movie came out and then, so now this is a, a series, so it is a little bit different. Yeah. And, and, 
Okay, I just have one more thing that I really like about The Chosen that's helping me personally in my own devotion and love to Jesus is that, and just my own reading of scripture, it's actually helping me as I'm reading the scripture. Um, it's really hard to get a sense of suspense when you're reading the Bible because it's so familiar. Right. And I, in our tradition, we go through the Gospels um, in morning prayer, in evening prayer, uh, so routinely. Like, you get the Gospel accounts and the crucifixion, resurrection, ascension so often that and in the miracles it you read them and the sense of suspense and anxiety that was surely present at the time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. does not fly up off the page for me as a, con a continual reader of scripture i found that to be so moving that even though I know, quote, what's going to happen next, I'm like, on, I'm on the edge of my seat. So I'm the, anxious. It's important. Like, how many times have you read the account, the account of Jesus going back to his hometown and reading Isaiah 61 in, I think it's 61, or maybe it's whatever, uh, reading the text from Isaiah in, yeah, it's 61, in the, um, in the synagogue and saying, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And everyone going crazy, and you just kind of read that. But the the way Dallas Jenkins portrayed that that scene in particular was was right on, extremely well done. Extreme, yeah. and the and the take him out to stone him, and Jesus walking through the crowd, extremely. I I mean it was it was it was artfully done. Yeah, and um, it was I mean, it, leading at the the the. the I thought, thought, oh well, yeah, no. Of course, where there was, a, I felt like that all the way through. I like, felt like oh, I would have yeah, probably no. been on the side of the people saying, this guy is not yeah. because he, it, it. I know him. Well, this is this not okay. Jesus. This, yeah. Jesus can't be Messiah because I know him. I know him. So I was really, I loved, and he made that he built the anxiety and the suspense through that. Partly because you know, as a reader of scripture, what's coming. Yeah. So there's an anxiety about what Dallas Jenkins is going to do, <laughs> which well, I think okay. he, and that's, but then he, he also builds anxiety right. of the story itself through each. And that's scene. also what a, a good preacher should do when you're preaching through a narrative text. Like you, everyone know everyone knows the story of, of, uh, I don't know, the, the three wise men coming to visit Mary and Joseph. But if, if you're preaching through the text, you're not just reading a verse, if you're preaching expositionally through the text, you're not just reading a verse and then giving some, you know, some didactic instruction. You're, you're going with the narrative. So there's the, so there's, so there's a narrative arc. We tell preachers all this, young preachers, all the, you've got to have a narrative arc. So the people are going along with the story and, the, and, the, and, the, and that means you're building suspense to, to the point of the actual climax of the, the story of the, and the resolution of the story itself. Um, Which means you want the people to enter into the text in, right. a, in an imaginative and a sense sensibility right. way. You want their hearts and their minds and their bodies to go through the text. It, it helps integrate the whole person when you do that. Like that's an that's an integrating activity to listen to a sermon like that. It puts right. all the pieces together, and so you can't. You are a fractured person, of course. In a, like a platonic world, you, your mind would be driven to love your your will would be driven to love Jesus by just reading the word. Mm -hmm. But God gives people help <laughs> because you're not able to do that. So if you if you skip the arc, 
interestingly, people talk about story all the time. <clears throat> story mm-hmm. without the article in front of it. <laughs> I actually do think that stories do move the human right. soul from one place to another place. Right. And they're good stories do that and r- wicked stories move, you know, like right. lies are a kind of story that takes your yeah. self from one place to another. A, a good preaching tells a story in the right kind of way to move you towards Christ. Right. Tells the story. Of the tells text. the story. Right. The, so that's what, what he does. And if you haven't watched any of the episodes, what, what he tend with almost always, except for one or two episodes, which I didn't like actually, um, he takes a, a narrative, uh, a pericope, if you're going to be a New Testament snob. Uh, I think and, you mean pericope. <laughs> and and he um, and the whole show is usually based around the whole episode is usually based around getting to that that pericope, that 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 narrative. Yeah. So he he just he just takes it back, makes up. Sometimes he creates a backstory whole cloth. Um, sometimes he takes you know, little seeds. And hints that are in the story, the account, the biblical account, and and, and builds on it. Yeah. Um, so and, and so the whole episode builds tension to the resolution of the actual thing you've read in the Bible. Um, okay, so we should probably talk about some things that are I, to be aware of when you're watching. We need this. to not I, spoil it though. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll, let me. But can I, we, we can't just all. There are some critiques that we have of it. Yeah, I just don't want it. If people are watching the chosen, don't know what's going to happen. I don't. Oh, want to I don't spoil. Wanna, yeah. Okay. Spoil the chosen. So, yeah, okay, I'll try not to do... So they should be sort of vague. Spoilers? Yeah. spoilers, yeah. yeah. Um, Let's try not to do spoilers, but okay, be okay. warned in case we don't. Okay. Yeah. So I was really disappointed in the first first episode of Chapter 3 because he didn't do what we said, what I just said, that we're certainly done, center around uh, the world account. There was... Um, uh, I think he was trying to introduce all the characters. He was trying to reintroduce all the characters, I guess. And he also, like... Uh, the the season two ended with the lead up to the Sermon on the Mount, and then season three, the first episode was the Sermon parts parts an edited, I think a, a badly edited version of the Sermon on the Mount because he didn't. I the, disagree the, with you on this. The but... passages that would cause the most conviction in people in our day, he cut out, and you know you had the lilies in the field there, and then you you had don't judge even don't don't be judgy and he didn't say it that way um don't you know build your house in the rock all, all of the kind of comforting things that were in the in the sermon about the chosen jesus preached them and the the things that were you know kind of frightening about the sermon on the mount were not there like oh if you lust you're an adulterer or um if you get angry with your brother you're a murderer those weren't those passages weren't there um, don't erase one jot or tittle from the Bible. That's not there. Um, there's there's just a number of things that should have been in there. That our child thinks that that's because they Dallas Jenkins was shooting the sermon through the eyes of Judas, and Judas didn't hear any of that. I think stuff. that's overly creative, but that's that's interesting. Well, that's one op- that's one interpretive. I, um, I no, thought because, he no, was he doing it because... through the eyes of the disciples, and they were they were hearing what was particularly important for them and comforting and um i don't think that means he's not gonna but the, deal but with the love but the love your enemy parts that, that yeah. the judas would not have liked that part well um, he might have in the beginning but okay um 
the whole point is though it was the first time in the show i've seen that that he pulled his punches like because the, the jesus that he's been put in, in season two and season one said the hard things always he he kind of redeemed it in the next episode yeah i'll have to say that episode two and three and four five and six uh, well. six, yeah, um have been have rectified that um Another thing I saw, like another another critique I have, is that is that, and so he says hard things later on in the series. He just didn't do it in the first episode. But not um, about lust. No, no, it's that's 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 what I don't appreciate. But um, the other thing that I noticed is like there there are parts of the Bible or the New Testament narratives, the gospel narratives that are that are really really I would the cinematog cinema the are made for movies. <laughs> Yeah, I think they're, they're they're you could do a really good, interesting film. So don't spoil it. Um, I won't spoil it. But I'll say that the healing of Jairus's daughter and the raising of Jairus's daughter and the healing of the woman with the, with the issue of blood that came in a particular narrative setting that that uh, Dallas King has decided to not provide. And create a different setting instead, a different a different narrative context. So, in some ways, he kind of had to work harder. Like yeah, his work would have been had, done for him. It would have been much easier. And to he do. did. He did. I mean, I, I, I think I know what he. It seems like he's doing in that particular in this, the few episodes that we've seen for this season. And I again, I appreciate this very much that he seems to be pushing back really hard on prosperity gospel. And he's balancing, he's, he's reading the whole scripture to talk about suffering and healing. He's providing the context of scripture for Jesus's miracles. Yeah. And that I like, right. I think that's, I'm really happy that he's doing that. I, it does mean that he's created some problems for himself that we'll see if he can resolve. But I, I, again, I, I'm willing to forgive him a lot because nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to make tackle the question of suffering, right? With uh, on a TV screen, yeah. Um, but it's really moving, I mean, and it it's nice. really really good to yeah. do because yeah, I people was... don't understand when he says, "My your faith has made you well." You know, like he he gives a visual context for that that puts a lie to all the you know word of faith movement i have appreciated him going after the word faith movement like the yeah. the, the, the little uh, there's little digs at it little digs at it and there's and there's um james the lesser who in the who in the chosen Don't has a well, well he's a close disciple and he's wondering why he has not been healed yeah right why why, why am i not healed and, and it's the, good it's really it's good yeah because because jesus and the, the point is jesus didn't heal everybody that he came yeah. in contact with so and, and why not and so he tackles that question, which is That's good. Really... Um, so I don't think we should talk about it too much longer because we're going to spoil. We're going to end up spoil- we're going to end up giving away all the goods, which again you can get if if you just read the Bible, you can literally mm-hmm. find out what happens next. People online were not happy. With, some people were not happy with you for liking the children. I did see that. I... Your trustworthiness is called. And question. then some people didn't like me for not liking Andy Stanley either. Yeah, but I thought that's, I think a lot of those people just haven't been paying attention over oh, the last okay. five years. I mean, like, they don't I, know I, how. Uh, yeah, they don't know what he said, what he's done. So, I mean, there's some people I really like in my former Christian community who really do like Andy Stanley. And like, I think he's beamed into various churches of people I know. And I, 
I, yeah, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but he's not a good, he's no Dallas Jenkins. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, he's like, he's, he, I, I think it's the opposite. He's because he takes, he's like, that's he, what I'm saying. He has like, no respect for the text. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, and he's try okay. This is another sort of smell test for me. Dallas Jenkins isn't trying, doesn't seem to be trying to attra- attach people to himself. Right. Emotionally to himself. Like, he's trying to attach people to the Bible. Right. And he's creating some chaos in that. But you can tell a bad preacher when he disattaches you from the text and attaches you to himself as the expert of the text. That's a sure sign that somebody is about to do something wicked. And by that, you mean like what Andy Stanley would do is say, well, okay, don't, you don't have to believe the Bible. Um, you don't have to believe the New Testament accounts. Uh, you don't have to believe there's a flood. Even though the New Testament says there was a flood, you don't have to believe that Adam and Eve really existed. Or that, but uh, we are, because our faith hinges on the resurrection. And and here's the evidence for the resurrection or, or whatever. And so that's, first of all, breeding... And I know he says he believes in the inerrancy of Scripture, but he obviously doesn't believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Um, that's breeding discontent in the Scriptures. It's breeding a, a sense of un, that the, the Bible is it's fine if I think the Bible is untrustworthy. But I could, but if I listen to Andy Stanley, I can still have because he'll take help hold me. Of, yeah, Andy Stanley, Andy will, help Stanley me will help take me. hold of Jesus. Yeah, because he knows how to get there without the Bible. Right, and so he's going to help me do that. And I think that's. Don't do that. Yeah, you know, the, that's like leading the little sheep out of the fold yeah. into the into the woods and then abandoning them for the wolves. Yeah, and it just happens that Andy Stanley's <laughs> has turned out to be one of the wolves, <laughs> dressed up as sheep uh, or a shepherd. No, he's. You're right. There's, there's you've got you've got the first task of the preacher is to is to is to love the text. Yeah, yeah. Is to immerse himself in the text and to. And want, to personally love it. To personally love it and, want, and have the people want to love it. Yeah. Not, we want your people to love it. I just don't understand how you can preach it. But his method is all about attracting everything in his ministry, I think, is about attracting people who are just, who don't like. Disaffected. Yeah, disaffected, ex evangelicals. And so, um, but there's and always a limit. It's tragic because, you know, you might attract somebody who's disaffected, but then. They only just love you. They don't. They don't return back into yeah. a faith, or right. you know, they don't get hope from the scriptures. I think. I mean, it's it's a hard saying in this era, but the Bible is understandable, and if you read it, you can understand what it says. It has a lot of nuance about a lot of things, but it's also it ha- it speaks with many voices to say one thing from the mouth of God, which yeah. is that Jesus is our Savior. We're preaching, well, we, I'm preaching through Acts. <laughs> on Sunday Are we all doing it together? Uh, yeah. It's like a group. Yeah, it's a group thing. It's a group um, thing. And what's interesting in this, because Acts is centered around at least the first um, sections, I, I argue pretty much all of it is centered around the sermons that are preached in different venues, right? And um, so far in Jerusalem, this is up to chapter, we did, we entered into chapter four last Sunday, or this Sunday. Um, when Peter is preaching to the crowd on Pentecost Day, to the crowd um, after he heals the, the, the lame man in the temple, and then to the Sanhedrin, and he's called to, before them to inter- be interrogated and tried, each time he goes right at them with, you killed, <laughs> you killed God's son, and God raised him up. 
right there. That's, that's the, that's, that's the, he doesn't like, if you were trying to attract people like Andy Stanley, like if, if Peter or Andy Stanley, he would not say that. No. He would say something like, oh, I know, you know, the Romans are terrible people. And, and all, all the people who are religious authorities who want you to follow all their laws, don't listen to them. All you need to know is Jesus rose from the dead. And he doesn't do that. He says you, he goes right at them with the, with the conviction of their sin every single time. And the premier sin on the, on the, on the docket, he does not preach an attractional message. And, and the reason he doesn't is because he knows very well that what needs to happen is these people need to see themselves in need of a savior. And they're not going to see that if you justify their doubts, if you justify their ex-evangelicaling, if you justify their, uh, all of their prejudices against the church or against the, against, against the past or whatever you can't, that's not how you do that. You, you bring people to salvation or to the point of being ready to receive salvation by bringing the point of, of deep conviction for their sins. I just th think that's like another sort of smell test that people should develop is it's not that you can't criticize Christians or people who say they love God. You can absolutely do that, but, but how, who is doing it and how? Yeah. It's if you want to stand, you know, the preacher has to stand up and tell the people that he's preaching to, you're all sinners. <laughs> you're all, yeah. you're all bad people. Right. right. But again, you don't, what it, what, what is the call out of the badness? Is it to believe, you know, K. Dumay, that if you just stop, if you become an ex-evangelical, then you'll be good, then you'll be saved? Or does the preacher always point to the scripture and to Jesus? And that that's like you've got to you've got to be able to tell what's happening when somebody yeah. says you're wicked. You can agree with them that you're right. wicked, but what is the sin that you committed? Right. And who's going to save you from it? Seems like a lot of the critique every time. Like those <clears throat> right. two questions should be uppermost in your mind as you're trying to you know, sense your way along through a morass of, of possible criticism about, you know, and right. It's not like if you go, if you come out of watching the chosen or a church and think that you are a good person, you're, you're also, you've been lied to. There's a interesting, like, so like what I find, yeah, speaking of a smell test. So, so often the narrative is something like this. I know you ex-evangelicals left the church because they were bad and mean, probably Republican and they didn't they didn't love you like you should be loved well here we're going to love you like you should be loved and we're because we're christians not like those bad christians you left yeah we're, we're, we're better than those bad christians and so and that's the narrative they think is going to be they, they call that being prophetic and critiquing the church but what you're doing is you're justifying people mm -hmm. you're not convicting them you're justifying their unbelief yeah and you're justifying their, their bitterness their bitterness and your unforgiveness yeah. for people who might exactly. have sinned against them and you're, you're helping i think uh, nick lannon on the other podcast that i did the Stanford podcast made a really good point a lot of the evangelicals aren't, aren't really struggling with the pain of their past or struggling with pelagianism yeah they're, they're struggling with um, a, a sense of self-righteousness yeah that probably came about because in their original church they may not have heard the gospel they didn't they didn't hear yeah no and that's right i mean that's absolutely true people didn't hear they they was through the 80s and 90s just to work harder i mean if you read jen hatmaker right. and rachel held evans you'll see that they heard a gospel quote of of works mm -hmm. and behavior mm -hmm. and of course they rejected that of course right. they did 
but, but the, they but the, didn't turn but to reach those people it's not you're right you did you were hurt by that and they and, and here now not, do this other work right right do this other more interest you know socially acceptable right. work than that other work that everybody instead hates of now. saying okay you're right that maybe that that, that would being presented that kind of gospel when you were young was probably not good but you know what you are a sinner too you're 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 desperately desperately in need of a savior because you are depraved yeah in the uttermost parts of your soul right and okay <laughs> just one final plug for dallas jenkins <laughs> okay i i really he didn't he has not valorized anybody but jesus the women in the first season were sort of you were like you thought oh, oh they're, they're, mary. Mary, they're mary sue's maybe you're there learning to read it's so cute the he none of the disciples have been good and now in the third season They're the women are bad people <laughs> they are suffering too <laughs> they are sinners they i love how Peter, peter's wife has become she was so like like you said soccer she, mommy she was soccer mom but she's no like she is becoming mm-hmm. a real character and it's so moving actually mm-hmm. i'm not going to spoil it i'm yeah. not going to spoil it yeah but Okay, we have to stop and go on a third day. Is there anything else you want to say? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) Thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week.